G-Core CDN is a next-generation content delivery network that accelerates your application's static and dynamic content. G-Core CDN has you covered around the globe with more than 150 edge locations and 11,000 peering partners worldwide. And of course, G-Core CDN supports IPv4 and IPv6. Go to gcore.com slash packetpushers to find out more. That's gcore.com slash packetpushers. Welcome to the IPv6 Buzz podcast, where we dare to dive into the 128-bit address space wormhole. Quick reminder, there's sponsorship opportunities available for IPv6 Buzz and all the other Packet Pusher podcast shows. So if you're interested, go to packetpushers.net slash sponsorship and get all the details. If you got something cool we're working with v6, we definitely want to hear from you. So come join us on the v6 Buzz. Tell us all the cool things that you got working with v6. I'm Ed Horlu with my co-host Tom Coffey and Scott Hogan. Today, we're going to be talking about DHCP v6 PD. And uh, I guess we should describe what the heck DHCP v6 PD actually is. Because probably most of the audience is familiar with DHCP and DHCP v6, but what's this extra thing that we're talking about here? What does PD stand for? <laughs> Who wants to tackle that one? In my scary Halloween voice, prefix delegation. <laughs> yeah, let's let's describe exactly what this is doing at a high level, so f- so the audience can understand what's going on there. So DHCP v6, we're used to getting addresses from a centralized resource that hands out an address, right? Uh, that's normally what DHCP does is uh, gives out gives a host uh, an address based off of a, a request from a DHCP client, right? And it might go through a relay or through a server to to get to that DHCP centralized resource to hand out the address, right? But PD is different structurally altogether. So I don't know, Scott, walk us yeah. through. <laughs> yeah, with IPv4, you know, we're used to hosts or a CPE device as a subscriber device, as a residential or even a a business class of broadband internet access, getting a single address. And the host uses its single address, you know, to connect to its default gateway. The CPE device with IPv4 does not. And so it only needs a single public IPv4 address or <laughs> CGN NAT address, and it does not. Well, with IPv6, we have global addresses. So the host or a CPE device can request an entire block of IPv6 addresses, commonly a slash 64, you know, for a residential home, CPE would request from the DHCPv6 server a slash 64 prefix to use on the inside of the home or the business. A host, I guess a server, could also ask for a slash 64 to use inside of itself for containers or or other functions like that potentially too. So there's other uses where you can give an entire block of addresses. You could even have a CPE device get a larger block, like a slash 52 or a, a 56, and then downstream allocate slash 64s to other networks below the CPE device. So it could have a, a delegation and you could build a whole tree of this prefix delegation that could occur. So I guess that's the concept. Yeah, it's a way for us to hand network blocks out to devices downstream to do with as they please, right? Mm-hmm. Effectively. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good summary. Yeah. <laughs> but, with DHCP v6, you're used to IANA, where you request single address. It's IAPD for prefix delegation, where the client sends a request for a, a prefix. 
And one of the important attributes of DHCP v6 PD is the fact that we have to point a route to who we allocate that particular address space to, right? In order for the router to understand for the traffic for that particular network block. So there's some additional components that might go in there depending on what's going on in, in the environment where you might have to set up forwarding very specifically for the prefix delegation that's actually occurring, just as a quick side note. I don't know if that's super important, but it is something, <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. from a routing perspective, it's important <laughs> to make sure you, you can direct the traffic to the right device. And what's the use case around, why does this even exist? Why is it something that exists in V6? Well, I guess, you know, from a home net perspective, it's maybe, is it fair to consider it a solution in search of a problem or a set of things that could be, you know, potentially useful? I don't know that we know fully what the the home net of the future will look like, but I guess there's some idea that it would be helpful to have multiple prefixes to potentially use to, you know, create different zones or domains that uh, at different applications or devices could sort of exist within and to have the the sort of routing infrastructure or routed infrastructure in the form of different prefixes to be able to support that and to have a mechanism in place to provide those those routed prefixes. So it's there and it works. I know at home here with my provider Cox, I can request a slash 56 and, and get that and I, of course, you know, being the IPv6 nerd that I am, I have it, uh, you know, mapped into my virtual lab and I'm using those prefixes in that fashion. Uh, you know, but for the average uh, home user that's not an IPv6 geek, I- I'm not sure exactly what sort of application they would find for that today. But hope springs eternal that the home net of the future will, will have a, a benefit, to, you know, to sort of leverage that uh, that set of prefixes to use. The set of prefixes that, you know, break out from the one prefix that's being provided by the, the upstream provider. Right. So there's potential use cases of like security domains or different functional networks that you might want to run that that your CPE device could potentially arrange for you, right? As an added functionality. So as those get more sophisticated over time or as the service providers work with particular um, CPE manufacturers to do these sorts of service provisioning, it may be where they decide that they stick maybe your voice service in one network and they actually divide it up that way because they want to do QS on it or something of that nature. But they could actually look at through all of that and, and divide up the network a little bit easier, uh, 64 per whatever function they want to provide internally to you. And as long as the CPE supports it, it, it can carve it up and, and do the right thing for it, right? Uh, at least in theory, that's how we think about it. And I think DCP v6 PD, as Tom mentioned, you're probably going to see it more prevalently from service providers right now, right? In terms of how they provision addresses downstream to the device itself, right? So it has the capability to be able to get additional network prefixes and to make use of those. And so the service providers themselves are going to set up and arrange all of that. And they're the ones that are primarily doing that from, I guess, the server and relay mode, right? Versus the client mode in terms of standing up, you know, those prefixes and making them available to customers, right? So I guess we should talk a little bit about maybe how the whole process works from a client making a request or CPE making a request. And then what does that look like in terms of each role going upstream? And I guess we start from the CPE and make our way north into the service provider network. But you need a CPE device that supports doing mm-hmm. DHCP v6 PD, right? It can actually generate the the DHCP message that says like, hey, I would like some additional prefixes delegated down to me. Mm-hmm. And there's some caveats that go along with that, right? Because we can make that request, but apparently they allow us to do a request that provides a little hint that sort of says like, hey, I wanna, I'm a big network down here, so I want a 32 for myself. <laughs> 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 the provider's under no obligation to provide you with the 32 that you're hinting that you would like. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Almost all CPEs do support, you know, DH. If it's a CPE device that supports IPv6, it does support prefix delegation. Now, most CPE devices, you know, for residential services, you know, will only request a slash 64 because they only know how to deal with one slash 64 downstream. But service providers have configured their DHCPv6 servers that are allocating those prefixes. They can be configured to either do a, a slash 60 or a slash 56, like ripe document 690, you know, provides advice for operators on what's the right prefix size. Yeah, I mean, some may choose a slash 60, some may choose a slash 56 or even larger. And then we did our previous show, 42, with Jeffrey Handel. We talked about how, you know, Cisco Meraki equipment uses prefix delegation as part of just the natural way it auto-provisions itself. Right. There's a whole aspect of just trying to make things easier for downstream networks to get address space, which is Mm -hmm. part of what PD is all about. But obviously, your upstream provider needs to support it. And whether you're running that infrastructure or whether the service provider is running that infrastructure is, I think, the common use case today is that the service providers are running this infrastructure. But there is no reason, in theory, that you couldn't, uh, in an enterprise network, run something that looks very similar to this, right? And set up your own server and relay components internally and allow downstream you know, servers or connected devices to actually do PD requests and to allow them to basically get a prefix and have that enter into the dynamic routing and and work across your network. I don't know if we want to talk about that or but it's it's definitely something that's probably, you know, a little bit more discussion is happening around that that at least we're seeing and I think it's an interesting change for how to sort of provision things in a network because we're so used to just giving a singular address out to a resource, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of other work that goes onto it, but it's it's a totally different paradigm to talk about like, yeah, just plug in and we'll just hand you a prefix and you can build whatever you want back behind that, right? And and hand out the address space as you see fit. That could work out really well for things like uh, maybe automation at scale or IoT networks that you have to plug into your, your corporate enterprise network and you just mm-hmm. provision a bunch of prefix for them and just hand them out as devices get plugged in on the network and you don't have to think about them, which is yeah. different. Yeah, it could be all kinds of things. It could be like a transportation system for a municipality as buses or trains and the train itself gets a prefix or the bus or the vehicle gets a prefix. And, you know, the riders on that transportation system request individual addresses from that, you know, slash 64 that's allocated to that train. Trains come and go to get different prefixes, you know, or a slash 64 per passenger car. And there's multiple cars and they get a slash 56 for the whole train. (laughs) Right. As a new uh, car gets added to the train, it just does a PD request and gets its 64 and 64 from (laughs) an upstream (laughs) router. Yeah. Somewhere. That's a new type of Ethernet coupling. (laughs) Yeah. It could be anything. You know, you could get really creative with it. Yeah. Use it in a data center, use it in a server. You kind of see it though, like as something that would potentially be more baked into like the controller logic, you know, something that, that if you were developing a software, you know, an SDN type controller orchestrator that you would take advantage of the feature of PD, but how much of that would actually be exposed to the architect or the network engineer that's actually configuring things. 
Um, I don't know that, you know, cause like today it's, this is just sort of very high touch to get PD working and rather for the use cases that it's, you know, on the service provider side, we've sort of forgotten, you know, what goes into like making it work, but there is still some check boxes on the CPE or, you know, like configuring it explicitly as opposed to having, you know, a controller that's just sort of managing everything at a very high level. So, you know, I don't know how many cases where you've got a network engineer or network architect at the enterprise level that that is thinking, you know, PD could solve this for us, you know, as opposed to I've got this controller that's doing, you know, the SD-WAN piece or the, the wireless piece and, and it's it's using PD under the hood. And for me, like, you know, what I see in relation to that is 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 not I wouldn't necessarily even recognize it as PD. It's just like, you know, this is providing this function at a high level and I don't really have to think about it. So I, I suppose we'd hopefully see more of that being in, incorporated into into some of these um, you know applications at in the enterprise to take advantage of PD. But I think that's sort of really up to the controller developers, I guess. Let's pause the conversation for a word from sponsor Gcore CDN. Gcore CDN is a next-gen content delivery network that accelerates your application static and dynamic traffic. It's got a global presence with more than 150 edge locations and 11,000 peering partners worldwide, and its entire infrastructure supports IPv6. Gcore can compress, resize, and convert images into AVIG or WebP on the fly. With dynamic content acceleration, websites are smoother and more responsive. Gcore CDN can protect your servers from overloads, be they unexpected traffic spikes or a DDoS attack. Your operations team will appreciate Gcore's extended API and its support for Terraform and Grafana, and your business team will appreciate the generous free plan, which includes one terabyte of monthly traffic and most key CDN features. Find out what Gcore CDN can do for your online presence at gcore.com slash packetpushers. That's gcore.com slash packetpushers. And now back to the conversation. Yeah, because yeah. service providers have all kinds of other things they have to think about. Like with DHCP v6 PD, typically authentication is done with radius so there's a bunch of radius attributes that you would configure as well and then also you want if a subscriber's cpe device reboots you may want to give them back the same prefix that they had previously requested if the cpe device reboots just rather just do a, a renew rather than give them a whole new prefix because that could cause problems for downstream devices constantly changing their their addresses you may want to have it be somewhat stable across reboots yeah that's a good point i think i think the other thing to tom's point is there's software development going in in certain ecosystems like uh, as an example like kubernetes on a on a data center deployment that's you're going to probably use you know, a third-party network solution inside of that mm-hmm. to sort of do those functions. And so that something like Calico or something like mm-hmm. that could request the address space and then carve it up as needed and then do the routing all in one package mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to build this on your own. So I think you're mm-hmm. going to look to find um, commercial solutions that make more sense, or at least open source solutions that make more sense in terms of doing that side of it. And then to Scott's point, it's at that point, they'll probably add in all the security related features to get the right things to happen in terms of like radius mm-hmm. messages and, and auth controls and like, oh, does this Kubernetes cluster have permissions to even do a PD request, right? And mm-hmm. and and get a set of services. And then is it of the right size? So there's yeah. probably a lot more work that's going on there, but it's very mm-hmm. interesting just directionally about what's happening right now, or at least seeing the potential for what v 6 PD can actually provide to enterprises, because it's really not a space that's been discussed very much, I would say. I, I guess that's mm-hmm. safe to say is that Enterprise use cases for PD really hasn't been 
top of the list, but that seems to be changing in terms of many of the discussions that are happening both at uh, the RIR level, but also in bodies like the ITF who are sort of actively pushing around like, hey, PD, you know, giving prefixes per host might actually make a lot of sense for applications that, you know, Docker containers, other things that are running on the on the system more than a 64 might actually be helpful in certain cases for them to be able to downstream into application space and give them prefixes of their own. Yes. And we should mention what's great about giving global unique IPv6 addresses to these containers or service mesh architectures is that then there's no NAT taking place. So you've reduced one level of translation that's typically occurs, you know, in a container environment and you've sped things up as a result. And so if you're developing software for low latency stock trading or things like that, you have applications where you want to get rid of any latency. Well, hey, you just got rid of a NAT by doing this. And it means that you don't have to build special, you know, and you're probably going to still want stateful packet inspection, but you don't have to do, Mm -hmm. you know, specific NAT translations in order for these services to discover each other. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have these limitations of like, well, I'm only in this stuck RFC 1918 Mm -hmm. space. I can't discover resources outside of that. And I can't expose those resources. Now, some people see that as a good side benefit of doing NAT is that those services aren't discoverable until you decide you actually want to publish them. Mm -hmm. But it does cause more complexity because if you, if you integrate your service discovery directly into DNS, right, then those service discovery components can just expose directly what that address space is. You probably should still go in and build certificates and other controls in place to make sure that the right services are talking to the right services, right, in your architecture. But it does simplify not having to go through a tremendous amount of, you know, IP tables and NAT configurations to, to determine what can talk to what. So it's probably much more straightforward. And uh, and you can do it on an easy prefix boundary too. So you're not doing a 128 host address, right? You could do a 64 or maybe a 60, depending yeah. on what the service actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, very cool. Was there other things that we think are, are interesting around PD itself in terms of what potentially the use cases could be? I think the industry overall is still early days around PD and what could or couldn't be used for. So I think it's something for the audience to keep an eye on. Like it's something that you should want to occasionally check in on and be like, oh, what are they up to over there? And is that going to impact me and my network? And do I need to have this as something that I test for inside of like maybe my data center Ethernet fabric? Can I support doing DHCPv6 PD? Is that a thing, right? Like it's not all vendors are paying attention to what's going on there. So you might want to actually start testing and, and talking to your vendors about like, is this something you guys are supporting or is it on your roadmap, right? It's an interesting wrinkle also because, you know, you may be considering in the data center environment how you can get away with, uh, you know, using Slack uh, exclusively as a way to auto address. And, you know, you might have a system in place to, to be able to do that. You may not have considered DHCP v6, thinking that it's really more for just like end nodes, on, you know, end users uh, in a corporate land, that sort of thing. Neglecting the, what prefix delegation might afford you, what, you know, problems it could potentially solve and forcing you to sort of re-examine whether or not DHCPv6 has a role in, in your data center provisioning, address provisioning. So it's just another consideration perhaps. Yeah, right, Tom, you should probably think about this in your address plan, you know, and how much space you may allocate to a data center. You might want to reserve space for 
changing future requirements along these lines. It's a great point because of that fact that with PD, you are thinking more in terms of prefixes and assigning out, you know, and, and then of course the the general principles around, you know, trying to stick to nibble boundaries and keep things like very organized in that fashion to, to keep uh, the routing table small and, and very readable as it were, definitely makes that consideration sort of more important. Yeah. You wouldn't want to, you know, paint yourself into a corner and say, well, I only have a few hundred VLANs in my data center. So I'll give my data center uh, a slash 52. And then you realize, oh, I should have given it a 48 or larger even because I would have painted myself. If you think today, how many segments do I have? And I'm going to allocate the equal amount of slash 64s just for those segments. That's right. And as Ed just mentioned, if, you know, if you're, if we're looking at doing things like a slash, you know, a 64 per host was like gasp, horror of horrors, you know, we're actually going to assign a 64 uh, per host. And now with the proposal of a 56 or even a 52, everything shifts to the left, as Ed likes to say, the number of nibbles that we're consuming. And then of course, the number of nibbles that you sort of need at the top end of, of the address plan to accommodate, you know, still having some structure to the overall address plan. That, that increases. And so the, the overall allocation size increases. But again, these are sort of downstream considerations to DHCPv6 prefix delegation, but certainly things to keep in mind. Well, I think we covered a good chunk of DHCPv6 PD. And I, I would encourage everyone, there's uh, some really interesting threads on the ITF mailing list on the, on the V6 ops side, where they're sort of talking through about how to think through assigning the right size prefix and what is the right size prefix, or even if they should define what the right size prefix is, <laughs> it's worthwhile uh, sort of seeing what people are chatting about. Take a little bit of time and do that. And then as Scott mentioned, the I believe Ripe has a, a operating guide for at least the service providers, but I don't think they say anything specific about enterprise for enterprises, but I imagine they'll publish something out once they feel like that's stabilized out. And it's, it's something that enterprises should be paying attention to. Yeah. And depending on your provider, this is something you can just play around with at home. If, you know, if you've got the right CPE and it supports uh, requesting a prefix and that's something you can investigate. And, uh, you know, for myself, I know I use MicroTick at home. And one of the reasons that I use MicroTick was just to have the, <laughs> the opportunity to mess around with prefix delegation. But, you know, there's other, uh, like, uh, I think PFSense probably supports it. OpenWRT, stop me if I'm if I'm over my skis here, but even some commercial off-the-shelf uh, CPE devices probably have a checkbox for it, even if, you know, they may not support all of the bells and whistles associated with it. Bare minimum, you might get a, an additional 64 to play with. <laughs> it just depends on what your service provider is doing and whether they honor that. So just be aware your mileage may vary, but uh, definitely let us know if you're seeing a success with uh, playing around with PD. We'd love to hear about it because uh, it's always interesting to hear how folks are uh, making use of something like this because it's, it's sort of a wide open uh, opportunity in terms of uh, what you could potentially do with it. So uh, I'd like to hear what the audience thinks they could uh, potentially use a whole set of prefixes for. <laughs> well, like V6, we run out of space for this podcast. You can reach the IPv6 Buzz podcast on Twitter at IPv6 Buzz. And you can also hit up each one of us on Twitter or X or whatever the heck they're calling it these days at IPv6 Tom, at Scott Hogue, and at E. Horley. And because Twitter seems to be having its whole set of challenges or X is having its whole set of challenges, just you can head over to packetpushers.net slash FU to send follow-up questions, comments about the show, everything else. We do get them. Uh, we really appreciate the folks that are sending stuff in. Uh, we don't necessarily address every single one of them, but we really do appreciate and, and know that you guys are listening. Uh, as a quick note, we do have a new logo from the Packet Pushers, so you should start seeing that roll out here in the next few weeks. 
Uh, we just wanted to mention it so you aren't surprised if you see a new image that pops up in your podcast player that's just, you know, you're like, oh, did that change the show or something like that? No, it's just a new logo. <laughs> but thanks for listening to the IPv6 Buzz. You can find us on the Packet Pushers or any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for IPv6 Buzz. And if you like the show, please give us a rating on your favorite podcast app and please recommend the show to friends and colleagues. We'd appreciate that. And if you like this podcast, we recommend you check out Heavy Networking, Day 2 Cloud, and the Network Break. Thanks for listening to IPv6 Buzz, a podcast devoted to truth, justice, and 128 bits of address space. IPv6